I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1977. The album is The Muppet Show, cast album. They call it the cast album? Sure. Yeah. Why not? The artist is The Muppets, and my guest is Hal Lublin. Hello. Again. I'm back. You are back. Um, you won't believe this, but I accidentally wore my Mike Kermit shirt There's today. There's no way this it is was an accident, accident at all. I'm an idiot. I, I wear this once every couple weeks. Did you have the last time that we recorded? <laughs> Probably. I'll have to look. Just it might tell have the happened. truth. Look, it, it, as a guy who has a very limited wardrobe mm-hmm. himself, it's okay to have one or two shirts. I wear this every day. Um, <laughs> Feels good to tell the truth. <laughs> what was the last time you were on three years ago? Yeah, I've been wearing this every day for three mm-hmm. years. It's in good shape for three years worth of... You must turn it inside out when you wash it. That's exactly right. Yep. And it's crisp and green. Yeah. Um, so... You picked the Muppet album. We now we've talked about the, the Muppet Show album. We've talked about it before, only the once. Right. And um, I'm curious when you first heard. Like, what what's your experience with the Muppets? Was it TV show first? I assume. Yeah, I was born in '77. Okay. So I was in the right wheelhouse that the Muppet Show was still on the air when I was very young. Sure. So I could watch it, and I remember going to see Great Muppet Caper in mm-hmm. the theaters. Okay. And I remember having this album as a child when we drove to Pittsburgh from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We listened to it pretty much nonstop, over and over again. And I have, uh, maybe that's what we'll take a picture with afterwards. Mm-hmm. I have that cassette tape, and it's still with its original Arista uh, case where the black, there's the, like the little black cover. And Holy then you've crap. got the white little L-shaped uh, piece that holds the artwork in it. All right. I have it. It is right over there un- underneath my TV stand. Wow. So, Your parents must have hated this album by the end of that trip. No? I think they, uh, if they did, they never let on to okay. me. And they appreciate the Muppets. Yeah, so, sure. Uh, you know, they're, they're, it wasn't like, oh, I guess we'll play this puppet album for the child. <laughs> silent. <laughs> it, was, it was a real good album. And, okay. You know, it's only, what, four or five hour drive? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, only ten times. That's fine. No, yeah. so, well, you know, and the thing is, there's so much, like, vaudeville shit. And there's enough stuff that's cross-generational, maybe. Am I imagining that? What, what, no, I think the beauty of the Muppets is that they work on multiple levels. And mm-hmm. that's everything that we like works on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. The Simpsons was great for little kids sure. who, who thought Bart was cool, but then the parents were getting the smarter stuff mm-hmm. that eventually, I think, took a, the lion's share of, of what they were doing. But the the Muppet show, and, and this album in particular, they, they talk about... Uh, it, in the song I'm in love with the big blue frog mm-hmm. that the neighbors are panic selling because somebody blue has moved into the neighborhood. Oh, now, for a child, right. yeah. mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything. But for adults, they're like, oh, they're talking about the racism that is inherent in society. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something to get for everybody. I think that's why the Muppets endure. You can enjoy them as a child. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you you unlock different levels mm-hmm. of appreciation for for what Jim Henson and, and Frank Goss and Dave Goles and Jerry Nelson and all those guys were doing. Yeah. I think are any of them. I think maybe Dave Goles is, might be the one who's left. The one. Because he still does Gonzo. Right. He still does Gonzo. He might be the one that's left. Uh, especially, again, the timing is very weird. So, uh, Steve Whitmire was canned from the Muppets only a couple weeks ago. We've yes. been trying to talk, we've been trying to set this up for a long time. Right. But Steve Whitmire's gone as the second Kermit. 
uh, I was like such a Henson purist though when when he passed away that I was like so pissed off that anybody would do the voice, which makes no sense. Like, I was too. Yeah. I, to me, it was never quite the same, but right. that makes sense because Steve Whitmire made it his Kermit. Yeah. You can't be. You can't just spend your whole time doing a uh, 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 Jim Henson impression. Sure. And even if he had, it would have eventually morphed into his own thing anyway. It absolutely would have, yeah. I want to know what they're going to do now. Is it going to be cool, Kermit? Are they going to try and fuck it up? I, I don't know, man. Think, I think it's going to go to, and I, I forgive me for not being able to remember the performer's name. The yes. guy who was was understudying uh, Carol Spinney for Big Bird. Really? I okay. Think he might be the guy who they go to for it. Interesting. Okay. I'm sure there are a number of Muppet performers, all of whom are auditioning or have a right. version of it like somebody they have to right you have to be anointed i think still even though even though it's not jim's company anymore yeah. i don't think brian is making those decisions either right right it's do you all think Disney now. every if you're there and you're well, well let's just limit it to dudes 80 percent of those dudes have a kermit in their back pocket right don't you think you'd I'm want sure when you want to yeah like because like god forbid steve whitmire dies or gets canned like i want to be ready they, you have to be ready, and I'm sure there's so somebody weird. who can take over. You know, they all have to. I'm sure to some extent, people have to be able to double for one another in case mm-hmm. somebody's sick or short. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, and there, I think there are very few performers who would only do one character. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so I know that this is all conjecture. I'm just, I'm just like fascinated <laughs> by it. Like it, that's the first thing in the news in a while to be like, okay, this isn't. I don't want to kill myself reading this, and I can at least right. think about it, you know, for a while. Yeah, it's bizarre to think like you don't know. Not, nobody knows what actually happened. Right. There, there are always going to be a ton of different stories about it, mm-hmm. but it also begs the question of who will step in next, and will they be. Think of all the children who grew up with Steve Whitmire as their Kermit. Yeah, I think that too. passed away in 1990. 1990. So, so that's been 27 years. There are yeah. entire college graduated people mm-hmm. for whom Steve Whitmire is the only Kermit that, that they knew from new material. Yeah. Obviously, if they watch the old stuff, mm-hmm. maybe they notice a difference. Maybe, right. It depends on how into it you get. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you look at it from just from sheer time... Uh, if you want to at least treat, like, uh, Sesame Street as the beginning of it. it. Not that he wasn't doing Kermit before that, but in terms of... He'd been doing it for 21 years when he died. And now Steve Whitmire's been doing it for six more years than, you know, as a famous Kermit. You know, famous... Yeah, it's weird. although Kermit had been around for a Of course long he enough. had. Yeah, I know. He was an institution. Yeah. I'm he not... didn't have a TV show. Right. His own TV show right. that he was... He was really part of the ensemble. Muppet Show was really his television show. Mm-hmm. I love that we both are thinking of Kermit as his own person right He's now. his own person. Well, you know the story of Jim Henson on on The Tonight Show? I don't think so. So Jim Henson would go on to talk shows, uh, and he would bring Kermit with him, and he would sit Kermit on his lap. He wouldn't mm-hmm. get down behind the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So as they're, uh, you know, he's talking, and they go to commercial break because he's doing two segments. And during the commercial break, the producer comes over. He's like, Hey uh, Jim, when you're doing Kermit, are you changing your voice or anything? He's like, no, no, I'm just doing me. You know, I'm, I'm same thing. He's like, because uh-huh. we're losing your audio whenever you do Kermit. The reason why is because the guy working the boom was tilting it towards Kermit every time Kermit was spoke. <laughs> Which is hilarious. It's hilarious because you think like, oh, maybe he's not the smartest guy. Uh-huh. But it also speaks to the magic for of yep. how good he was at working. Like a, a skilled puppeteer can can be standing in front of your face, doing the, the, operating the puppet, and you will pay all attention to that. That wow. it is imbued with life. Wow. 
So, wow. That's nuts. Yeah. And 50% of that is charm. He was one charming motherfucker. Yes. Like, you know, like, it's just like, just to sit there casually with a fucking frog on your lap. Yes. Is difficult in and of itself. Yes. And, uh, wow. That's, I, I don't think I'd ever heard that before. No. That's so good. No. A lot of charm and a lot of skill as an actor. See, I don't think, it's so weird that I don't think of him as an actor, and I absolutely should. Because yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't, as a person, he never came across, I know we're not talking about just Jim Henson here, but he just seemed like this chill motherfucker with a nice beard and like, a, <laughs> just a big hippie. Like, kind of like, I think it's why I like George Carlin too. There's just something very like calming to look at these guys. And there are a couple of voices that, that uh, Jim Henson does that I realize are kind of Carlin voices too. Yeah, I guess they did have sort of a similar timber. It kind mm-hmm. of intersected uh, in a few places. Whenever but- Carlin did like authority figures or like... Uh, or the kids in his school, like, hey, they have fauna. Like, that, that one always reminded me of Kermit, you know, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Bearded guys who sound like that were very comforting. Uh, so you listen to them. You, so did you see, were you a Sesame Street kid, too? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. I love Sesame Street. Had to have been. And Mr. Rogers, of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, the Electric Company. Mm-hmm. All that stuff was still going on when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sesame Street, for sure. I actually have... When they released Sesame Street old school DVDs, Mm -hmm. which are from like 69 through I think maybe 77 or 78, Mm -hmm. I bought them and watched them. It's really like – it's fun to watch that early Muppet work. But yeah, I I knew Kermit as an investigative reporter who was on the scene for all the fairy tales that were happening. So good. Such a silly bit. Yeah, he was everywhere pulling double duty. And the the guys would go – they would be over in London doing the Muppet Show, which was their main thing, and then right. they would come back for like two weeks to do all of Sesame Street. I forget that it was in London. They would just film a bunch of those bits because that didn't need to be as time sensitive. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's much more like there's a celebrity coming in who oh, is yeah, popular right. right now, and and that that I don't remember that really being a big part of the show at all when I was a kid. Right. Right. Maybe. Yeah, because I'm trying to think going back. Ray Charles is one that stands out mm-hmm. as uh, or at least from Sesame Street. Wait. So, yeah, they shot it all in London. I wonder if they're flying a lot of people in because, you know, they had big people every week. You got Steve Martin. Yeah. That's so weird to me. I forget that they shoot, shot it in London. Yeah. That blows my mind a little bit. That's I don't know. I don't know why they did it. I don't know why he was in London. I should know because I'm a big fan of Jim Henson's. But. Well, and there was a lot, I think around 79, 80 is when Empire Strikes Back was happening. Oh, that's true. So they were probably over there. Frank Oz was over there. Yeah. At the very least. And I think they filmed a lot of the Muppet movie, some of it at least. No, that was from the U.S., but Great Mm -hmm. Muppet Caper was filmed filmed in London. That's right. Okay. Although they were still, that was 77 to 82? Maybe. Or 81 was the Muppet show? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's five seasons, 77 to 82, 82 or 76 okay. to 81, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they filmed it in London. I, mm-hmm. I do not – other people way more versed in, in Muppet history than I know the answer. Sure, sure. But, I, uh, but I, I like to lay these questions at the feet of my guests and then, you know, let them scramble to see if they can come up with an answer. That's just yeah, my technique just as an interviewer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what – so, okay. So we're – I know listening as a kid, like you would just listen to something whether you like the whole thing or not. Maybe you like mm-hmm. it all. Or did you find favorites as you were listening to it? Is there stuff listening back that's just like, oh, that's 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 something that stands out? I mean, I love the album as a whole. It's mm-hmm. a really good walk – it's sort of you're being walked through an episode of The Muppet Show. It's mm-hmm. a show about a, about a bunch of Muppets putting on a variety show in a theater. Mm-hmm. So the album reflects that. It's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more that I appreciate now. 
I don't think I really, as a three-year-old, got tenderly. Ah, uh-huh. right. Which <laughs> is great, a uh, really great track mm-hmm. with Dr. Teeth yeah. and Electric Mayhem playing a very soft song in their hard-rocking style. It's <laughs> uh, great. I didn't, probably didn't appreciate that as much as a kid. Uh, I never really was as big a fan of Halfway Down the Stairs because it's mm-hmm. really kind of – it's that sort of sad – saccharine part of the Muppets uh-huh. and I wasn't a huge Robin fan mm-hmm. as a kid not that I disliked him just sure but I, I appreciate that even more now mm-hmm. uh, and then being green is sort of like well you're, you're making a Sinatra album mm-hmm. of him doing his hits <laughs> if he doesn't finish with my way of what course. are we even doing here of course uh, this now makes me want to hear Frank Sinatra singing being green though I'll now, bet you there's a track there of bet it there somewhere is, right there has to be. It's just him in the shower. What's that fucking song the frog does? <laughs> it ain't easy being green. <laughs> that green skin. <laughs> Doobie. You know. Uh, I think last time that we talked about it on the show, yeah, Halfway Down the Stairs was the one that just like was kind of a momentum killer. <laughs> yeah, but it is also the end of the side. You, yeah. you know, now if you listen to it, it's a CD with continuous tracks. Then right. it was... Either a cassette or an mm-hmm. album that had to be flipped over. It's true. So it is a good, like, you start with the Muppet Show, it's up, and then it sort of takes you through. The Mississippi Mud is another high yeah, yeah. high energy, and then they mix in, like, Manamana, which was a hit from the show. Yeah. Uh, and they get to halfway down the road, so there's sort of a come down, and then when you turn it over, you get the same, there's a pattern to both sides of the album, mm-hmm. where it winds up, and, you know, it ends with, with sort of a down, like, all right. We're gonna yep. do, we're gonna let you down gently now. It's true, that's true. It's so good. it's good for kids. It, it it teaches you to you know appreciate what's coming next. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. There's ultimately going all. to be sadness at the end. Yeah, right. That's exactly. the lesson. And it might come from a sick sounding frog. Yeah, <laughs> Robin just always sounded so sick. <laughs> it just. Uh, and uh, okay, I will say though, like first of all, so the Muppet they do he Kermit does introduce it as an album, so mm-hmm. I like that it's like it knows what it is. It does, it's not it's not cuts from the show. I don't think any of them are cuts from the show. I think they're all remade for the album. If yeah, I'm they're not mistaken. They're studio recordings. Yeah, they all sound really beautiful. Like they don't because they don't have any weird laugh track or anything. Right? There's none of that. Which yes, is, um, but I really like the great Gonzo eats a rubber tire to the flight of the bumblebee. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a pretty great one. So stupid. It's so stupid. I'm assuming it was never on the show. It has to be something that was only audio just for the I joke. I don't think that it was. I'm pretty sure he ate tires on the show at some <laughs> sure. point. Sure. I know I've seen Gonzo eat a tire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that that was, I think, they figured out how to translate. That was the, the trick. Is like, how do you translate this mm-hmm. to the audio medium? Which they do really, really well. That being a great example. That... that <laughs> And you sit and you listen to it, and you realize by the end, oh, I've listened to <laughs> at least a minute uh-huh. of Gonzo eating a tire it's to Flight so of the Bumblebee. What am I doing? So good. Like, that's the kind of absurdity that, like, I miss in. I mean, that's, like, one of the things about great comedy albums that aren't stand-up ones is, like, yes. kind of not just playing with the form, but really fucking with your audience a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, like, walk through the cast of characters because mm-hmm. the songs are good reflections of who they are. Yeah. Uh, Coddleston Pie is a really good Rolf contemplative. Uh-huh. Isn't it an A.A. A. Uh, Milne yeah, poem? Yeah, I think so, that yeah. He, that he <laughs> performs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mr. Bass. Scooter has two songs. 
Yeah, that's right. He sings Mr. Baseman and he sings uh, Simon Smith at his dancing bear. You know, I'm realizing now, and I prob- I think I had this problem last time, I identified the wrong person doing a voice. I'm realizing I can never remember who does the voice of Scooter, Richard Hunt. That's yes. the man's name. I'm an ass. Sir, you're probably <laughs> around, and I just, like, I'm, you know, you call yourself a fan, and you don't know. I think he's got a really good voice, like a really good singing voice, like a very clear voice. Yeah. And uh, the, the album benefits from having, like, a, like a straight-up, like, not a, it's a character song but like a really good singer yes you know yes i think they were all pretty good singers probably frank oz was not the best of the singers (laughs) but that made sense for him to do as miss piggy and for all the people who like there are a lot of people down on miss piggy because she's a domestic abuser (laughs) and or that is allegedly a domestic Mm -hmm, abuser mm -hmm. and this album does not do her any favors no because she threatens to smash your (laughs) smash your froggy face in isn't that what she Uh says yeah uh, <laughs> so good. Just so she can sing her song. Was it "What Now, My Love"? Isn't that her? Mm-hmm. And it's she doesn't she doesn't really appear until almost the end of the yeah, album. That's really weird. But that makes sense for her because she's waited long enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that now, now she's resorted to appear. violence. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I wonder. So okay, this is a perspective. I you know I'm only just like the slightest bit younger than you, but it's just to the point where like you were the right age for the Muppets to be new. Like, that is a very good age for the Muppets to be that new. Right. Uh, so for me, they'd just been established just long enough. So, like, what were... Uh, would it be too much to say these characters were, like, friends? Like, is that... Or was that a thing for you? Did they feel like they were your friends? Or was it just something you did with your family? I think you just feel close... You're just drawn to them. I don't know that I felt that they were uh, my friends. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but now I'm thinking like, were there any pop culture characters that I felt were like friends? Probably Mr. Rogers, yeah, because he spoke directly to you, yeah, and yep. the which is not something the Muppets did as much. They were addressing a television audience; sure. they were addressing the audience in their theater on the Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Grover mm-hmm. felt like somebody was a friend. So there were yes, some Muppets were the Muppet Show. To me, it was always more presentational, and you were getting a look behind the scenes mm-hmm. of a show being made. Yeah. Um, but I think th- as a kid watching Sesame Street, for sure, mm-hmm. there were there were Muppets there who felt like friends. Yeah, that's probably more the place you would find it. Was this was this in any way like noticeably part of your like growing up to work in comedy as a performer? Like, or is it just something that's just always been there? It's just like kind of part of the bed of who you are as a performer. I think it's just the bed of who I am. Mm-hmm. And there's always a little bit of, I don't know if there's influence there or just, yeah. I appreciate it. And it's, there's creative abandon to what they did, mm-hmm. but it also was, had to be very well choreographed and really precise, which I appreciate as well. Mm-hmm. Uh and I've taken Muppeteering classes, and really? it is real tough. Really? Yes. Yes, I took classes from Michael Earl, mm-hmm. who is no longer with us, unfortunately, but was Snuffleupagus when I was a child. Holy shit. So that's how I know he was like, you know, we'd be there filming, and then, you know, Dave and Jerry and, and, and Frank and Jim would come in from London from doing the Muppet Show, and they'd film everything in like two weeks. They'd Jesus come and do Christ. all their stuff, wow. and they'd go back. So they'd be in in chunks. Wow. Uh but it's it's so difficult to do mm-hmm. and i've worked on some some puppet projects and mm-hmm. it's it's just incredible watching those people work yeah uh and the the sense of comedic timing you have to have i mean that's that's there too the slow take and the sure. slow, uh, the, the the double take and the the 
the slow burn, which they did not invent, but yeah. that's probably where I became most familiar with yeah, it, is yeah, watching yeah. Kermit get upset or watching Miss Piggy curl her lip and start shaking because mm-hmm. she was angry. Yeah, I think that's a better question. Uh, you're helping me like reformat it in my, in my brain, which is like, uh, I think we all... All of us probably still learn about classical music from Warner Brothers, uh, right. you know, and I, I think you learn about vaudeville from the Muppets. Like, I don't know if there's another source where you'd learn vaudeville so so heavily and those tropes and timing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, hundred percent. That was a they were doing a vaudeville show. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything about it had that feel, including the 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 opera box <laughs> balcony where Stadler and Waldorf were sitting. Mm-hmm. I love their interjections in the album. They're so good, including the one where they completely reverse their opinions <laughs> uh-huh. about a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's 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 such a unique thing, and it translates so well to. That's the thing; it translates so well to the album. There are album, there are musical albums, and comedy albums as as well. Where and they're, I think they're rare. Where every track is good, mm-hmm. where you're into every single premise. Like yeah. For me, I love George Carlin's. Um, I don't know. Remember that? I think the name of the, the album was Parental Advisory Explicit Lyrics. It came out in like ninety one. Oh, okay. It's okay. one where he starts with the politically correct lullaby, like we are not going to interface. We will not. That top to bottom mm-hmm. is a masterpiece. It's like a masterpiece set and, and a great album. Uh-huh. I think um, I'm a big fan of Grace, Paul Simon's Graceland. Mm-hmm. I like that album top to bottom. Yeah. Maybe not. You can call me Al, but that's because it was overplayed. Sure. There's nothing wrong with it as a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an album, I think, where all the tracks are, are like, I enjoy all of them. And it's it's all well done, which is why, if you ask me for a week one, I have to say halfway down the stairs because it's not my favorite. But sure. I still like it a it's lot. It's still good. No, it's still wonderfully put together. And you're right. It is a very, it's good positioning. It's it, it's a way, it's a good way to lay this out. Well, the it just, it's so, and I wonder if they thought about, you know, they did. They had to have. I'm going to give. I'm going to give Jim Henson and Frank Oz all the credit for thinking about this, but like it's so absurd that a show about puppets, shiny, bright, pretty puppets, uh, frantic puppets, gets turned into an audio-only album where all you've got is this. You've got this picture of Kermit on the front, right? And, and the other, I mean, it's delightful, but it's kind of absurd that this album even exists because of that. It it, it does, and it also speaks to the strength of the characters, yes, and and the writing. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have strong characters, you don't have good writing. Because you can, you could lean to a certain extent on the visual, like, oh, look at all these puppets mm-hmm. doing in the navy while they're in a giant Viking sure. ship on yeah. stage. Yeah. That's pretty cool to see. There's a lot of visual gags, but you strip all that away with this album, and mm-hmm. all you have is uh, is the VO and the writing and the music, and it's great. And you don't lose anything in translate mm-hmm. you don't go like well this isn't as as muppety as if i got to see them on tv <laughs> right. or right or got to see them on a stage doing this mm-hmm. it 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 works and maybe it maybe it has no right to and that's why it works even more yeah and why it stands out uh such a strong album i mean it won a grammy mm-hmm. yeah right it for, da, 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 for children's best, album. best children's album i now i hadn't thought about this until just now i do wonder if some of them had the puppets in their hands while they were doing the voices. I want to know yeah, how attached they were to it. Or at least they had their hands like in puppet sure, positions yeah, maybe so that. they were doing that. I I would imagine – I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah. I wouldn't even be surprised if they had the, the puppets there with them. Mm-hmm. I now want to see – oh, my God. But I also wouldn't be oh. – I mean, I think they're all good enough that they could have done it anyway. Sure. They wouldn't have even needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
to have that stuff. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. I, uh, man, I, I mean, think about Muppet Babies. <laughs> yeah, it's a completely. I mean, it's an offshoot. <laughs> yeah, sure, but it still works. And and even there, you're losing the the device of the puppetry. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that is different than just seeing them animated. And I know you, that they can break a lot more rules, and they have them sure. opening the door, and there there's a movie or like mm-hmm. the rolling ball from Raiders of the Lost Ark, but. You know that's different. That's all. All cartoons can do that. Not everybody is yeah. a puppet show, and not and most puppets are not that popular. Right? Did you? Okay. So, did uh, when did you sort of stop paying attention to the Muppets? When were you too old for the Muppets? Did that happen? Because I feel like some of us discover when we're, when we're rediscover when we're older. But I don't know that I got to a point in my life where I felt like I was too cool for stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always liked the Muppets. I mean, I went to see Muppet Christmas Carol in 1992 mm-hmm. when I was 15 years old, mm-hmm. which is not like the cool time to go see Muppet right. stuff. But yeah. I like up. the Muppets. I'm going to go see it. Of course. Of course. And by then, you know, after, I think after Jim Henson's passing, they it certainly was not the same. Mm-mm. And because of that, I probably drifted away from it a bit, but sure. I was never like, no, I used to like the Muppets mm-hmm. when I was a kid, but they're not cool anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still had all that. I still had the original three movies. I had the Muppet show. Like, mm-hmm. you could still see all of that stuff. It was available. You could watch Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that stuff was out there. Yeah. Uh, just I'll just bring this up. I was supposed to perform in Labyrinth the other day. But really? I, we've, our show, I, I do a show... Uh, every month where we do a stage reading of an 80s or 90s movie. It's the first time we've ever gotten a cease and desist because it's now a Disney oh, property. yeah. Nobody gives a shit, but this time they're like, no. And we're like, okay, we're doing The Princess Bride tonight. I guess I'm all in Sean. I was so excited, too. I had nailed the voice. Like, I'm like, I never know if I'm doing a puppet, vo- like a, a Muppet voice right, but I'm yeah. like, I nailed the one I was doing. I was you like, felt like you so had it. excited. <laughs> I was Mr. Didymus, and it's a David Gell's voice. I got to do that. And, uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Again, but it's perfect timing to be talking about this. Do you did you learn any voices from the show? Are there sh- voices that you like have? Yeah, I, I always tried to do voices. I don't know if there are any I do particularly well. Mm-hmm. Really, they're all just different. Ver- like they're just new characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, like I'm blanking on blanking on any that I've I've auditioned for for uh, voices before, but it was it's just tough to like. Nail it. Maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of Zoot. Maybe a little bit of uh, um, Sweetums. Uh-huh. Little, everybody's got like, their, I want to go to Hollywood. Like that <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. And then Zoot just sounds like this, man. Mm-hmm. Like it's, Those are the easy ones. Maybe. Entry level. Maybe, but like it still kind of brings you glee to think about. What if I was doing that? Place? Yeah. Like, what if I got asked? What for if fuck's sake? Or to do it in front of the of somebody who, I'll, the one of the best voiceover compliments I've ever received was I did Mary Lou Henner's radio show. Uh huh. So during I think it was either I think it was during the break. It wasn't even on air. Uh huh. And she asked if I did any impressions. I was like, Well, I do Reverend Jim. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to do it. I did it, and she was like, That's really good. Oh, it sounds just like I was like, all right, fuck. Well, you were there. You worked with him for several years. Not only that, she it. has a perfect memory, so she exactly. remembers every single. I remember he made that exact noise on <laughs> January fifteenth, nineteen seventy-eight. I was wearing a plaid skirt. She did that. Uh, my wife and I were both there, mm-hmm. and we were like, we got. She was like, when did you get married? We we're like, uh, 
we gave her the date. She was like, okay, that was a Sunday. I know because my third uh, wedding was then, and it was on a Tuesday. And then, like, it's it's incredible. That's a superpower that would make me want to kill myself. Yeah, like, that's I just know like too much. so powerful. Like, I remember it all. I remember it all. Good God, Mary Lou Henner. That's amazing. That's so. Can I can I ask what? Did you do a line, like a particular line? Did you do, what does the yellow light mean? Or did you do something No, I else? just went, uh, okie dokie. I just did that. <laughs> that was enough. Yeah, I didn't have to. What does, yeah, I didn't. Uh... <laughs> uh, that's so good, though. Oh, that's amazing to get to do that in front of somebody who knows the fucking person. Like, yeah. next to doing it, although you probably couldn't do it in front of the person themselves. Like, would you be embarrassed to do that in front of Christopher Lloyd? Probably. I right? was a little embarrassed to do it in of front course, of, but of I was course. like, why not? Come on, let's do it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. If he, if he was like, uh, heard you do an impression of me, like I would do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Of course I would do it. Yeah. Then I would do it. I'd be like, all right, let's, let's try. Cause you don't know the, the thing that grips you inside is like, what if it doesn't, what I know, I think it sounds like, it, you, like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but what if nobody else does? Of course. And then who cares <laughs> if anybody else thinks it sounds, you, yeah. you do you go do your impressions, people. <laughs> Have you ever auditioned for Muppet stuff? Because I know now they do separate the performers. Like, they'll have people who just puppeteer to somebody else's voice, which kind of hurts my brain. I don't know how they do that. I have. Mm-hmm. Probably can't talk about I it. I can't talk about it. Son of a bitch. I didn't get it. Can tell you that. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. For sure. But it was cool. Yeah. And it's just, you know, so- sometimes that stuff is your agent going, uh, they want somebody who can do this voice. I know you do a bunch of voices. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you could do it. Mm-hmm. And then you try it. And you, you don't know. You never know how close you get. Mm-hmm. All you know is you weren't what they were looking for at that time. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the one of the neatest thing about uh, voiceovers is all the stuff you get to audition for yeah. that you want. And, and you have to learn over time not to invest too much once you're done. I would like, imagine. Do your best mm-hmm. and let it go. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do after that. There have been a couple of things where it's like, I really, boy, I would really like to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they were not the Muppet things. That would that was just like, all right, well, uh, this would be incredible sure. if, if I somehow got cast as this. It didn't feel like uh, I didn't feel like like oh, I don't quite I don't think I quite picked this up. Yeah, yeah, got close. Is there anything that's happened for you in terms of? I know we're straying from the album, but that always happens a little bit. Is there anything that's ever happened for you that's kind of like this little like dream come true? Like if you did become a fucking Muppet voice, that seems like that would that would hurt my brain. Like that would be like this high for a few days. Yes. Have you ever gotten a thing? Because I feel like we talked about something last time, but not on the podcast, so I won't mention it. But like, are there things where you've you've gotten to kind of like live in a world that you never expected you get to be involved in? Because you do so many voices. Yes. Yes, I booked a job that I cannot talk about <laughs> that I did. I don't think it's I, I, I don't I think it kind of, you know, I did a pilot and not only was that whole experience really cool. Mm-hmm. I got to say, like, oh, this is what it might be like if I were on a regular television show. Mm-hmm. I mean, Venture Brothers is has been great. Yeah. And that's. You know, uh, whenever I get called, I do it. Or Mighty Magiswords. Whenever I get called, mm-hmm. I do that. But it's not like the regular, like, all right, this is time for your weekly thing where you go to the table read and then you do the mm-hmm. show. So that experience was was really, really cool. And the part I got to play was a dream come true Yeah, that I wish I could tell people about. <laughs> I do Killing wish. And it's crazy. odd because it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's not. I, I'll never, I never saw the finished product. Mm-hmm. But... 
it what the funny thing is it's one of those things where the audition came in mm-hmm. and i went i took like a three minute break at work uh-huh. i went into a break room recorded it sent it off and then got cast jesus like right. i mean there were still callbacks yeah, it doesn't and stuff, matter but that, like that's but from that like, that's huge that was wow uh, but you have those too where you go like you audition, you say, all right, I think, I don't think I could have done that any better. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a good shot at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a couple where I'm like, for sure, they're like, why? I think they're going to book me. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to book me. Why wouldn't they book me? Mm-hmm. And one time that was true. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but that one I could talk about. That's an episode of Adam Ruins Everything that'll be out. Um, I think it's part of the upcoming season. Yeah. They yeah. have a lot of people out there that I'm like, wait. That was just Roz from Frasier. Okay, that's weird. Like, that kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Seen, like, there's, there's people from, like, this is not meant as a derogatory term, but podcast famous people to <laughs> Roz from Frasier, you know? Like, I still get excited when I see Paul F. Tompkins on something big, even though, like, he's a he, he's on fucking Colbert and shit all the time, but he's yeah. still, like, he's still my buddy from podcasts. You, like, know, you know him what as I mean? a podcast, yes. Yeah. Because he's, he's so, he does so many uh, podcasts. He appears on so many. Yeah. And Spontaneous Nation is great. Uh, that it's easy. Like, you know people from where you know them from. Yeah. I knew him from Mr. Show. Yeah. So that's where I, like, when I first met him, that, he was the guy from Mr. Show, and that was real exciting. Yeah. Um, and he's got a, he's a brilliant stand-up comedian and a great writer and mm-hmm. a great actor, and he's got all these credits now, and he's all over the place, and mm-hmm. rightfully so, he should be more places. Yes. But I, I, you know, people who listen to podcasts feel close to the people who host them, mm-hmm. and because of that, that's where you know them from. That's yeah. your, that's your podcasting buddy. I knew, I knew him from an episode of News Radio. That's where I knew him. Oh, there from. you go. Him, Pat Oswalt did a mm-hmm. bit on there. Posein, David Cross, all the fucking Mr. Show guys. Oh yeah, had Cross parts and, on News Radio. They, uh, Cross and Odenkirk were on it together as, as part of the Barbershop Quartet. Chock full of notes. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a podcast about News Radio, you don't forget these things. Never. That's you just, can't. Um, all right. So back to something more important than News Radio: the Muppets. Let's get back to the Muppets. Okay. Let's talk. Okay. Actually, you know what I really like also is Lydia the Tattooed Lady because it's one of those moments where one of my favorite acts of all time, the Marx Brothers, mixes with my other, the Muppets. I just really like it. I think it's charming. Yes. And it's a great rendition of it. Because mm-hmm. it's not the same as Groucho's. No, no, no. But it, it, it's like his sweet version mm-hmm. of that song. And it, it's, yeah, it's so great. It's such a... It's such a joy. There's so much joy mm-hmm. in the in the album, and there seemed to be so much joy in everything mm-hmm. that Jim Henson and and all those all those guys and gals did. There's uh, where is it? Oh my god, is it the monologue where uh, Kermit is? Uh, oh, the comedian is a bear. Uh, is that is that the bit where he keeps he wants him to interrupt yes, him every says, time? Uh, what I want you to do is when I say the word here. I don't do a fuzzy. I can only do the part of the end. No, he's a not. He's a wearing a necktie. <laughs> but it, it's such a great. I was listening to that in particular because mm-hmm. it's such a classic. That's a very vaudeville bit. Yes. Of you don't come in until I say the word here. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, so nice to be here. Good grief, the comedians up there. Not that one. The other and them escalating, and then uh-huh. he finally doesn't come in, and it's for the worst punchline uh-huh. possible. Uh huh. Just great, like Fozzie Bear. I mean, he's the most—he's the most vaudeville of all of them. Yeah, the charm of those two bouncing off each other, even something scripted, it sounds very fresh. Yes, like they clearly loved the shit out of each other. That's Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Like <sighs> you can't—that's the the 
such a dream team, mm-hmm. such great chemistry. They're Bert and Ernie. They're mm-hmm. Fozzie and Kermit. They're two guys who I can't I can't peg either by watching them interviewed. Like because of his voice, Frank Oz seems like a guy who could be totally standoffish, and it's just his voice. Yeah, his voice is just. He sounds like Kermit more than like he's got that you know that back of his. Yeah. All I think of is trading places when he's holding up the PCP. Phenocyclidine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what this stuff does to kids? I love that so much. He's so good in that. But like, it, it can't peg what these guys are. But it, there's no doubt that they were like a perfect comedy team. Yes, but you just don't. Think of it that way. It's just Kermit and Fozzie. Like there's so many. Like there were so many two handers. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you know, talking about Venture Brothers, Jackson and Doc are mm-hmm. a great comedy team. Oh my God. They do so many. They are so many comedy pairings within mm-hmm. that show. <laughs> right. They're just like any two hander scene is going to be one of them and then the other one of them. Yeah. And it's great. It's ridiculous. It's so good. They have they and they have that chemistry as friends and as people watching them, yeah. like having a conversation with them. They just that's how you you get how it works. Mm-hmm. And it's you know you're lucky if you find somebody with whom you have that kind of chemistry. Sure. So those two, Hanson and and Oz, mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine one without the other. Right. For how long they work together. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever seen there are the outtakes on one of the Muppet movie DVDs, one of the variations of it, where they're just doing screen tests because they'd never been on proper film before, and it's just, they're out in a field doing Kermit and Fozzie, just improving with each other. Yes, I have it's seen that. So good. It's so <laughs> again super charming, but also like they're funny as fuck. Yeah, you can tell that like given the opportunity, they might get a little dirty with it, like just a little. You know, I mean, they're grown men. Yeah, they're grown men. You know, they're making filthy jokes when the cameras weren't on for sure has to have been the case um or then if you've ever seen emma daughter's jug band christmas have you seen yes of course of course you've seen of course you have uh there's also there's a series of outtakes because on set frank oz was the mother okay she got dubbed in later and there's just there's a series of outtakes where this drums rolling down the street and it keeps fucking up and he's just improvising every time it fucks up just so (laughs) in character oh my god like i just recommend anybody watch those just to know how you know like there, there, seem, there might seem something like, seem to be something antithetical to performance of having a puppet and you're underneath it and you're in pain the whole time. But like, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of pure, you know. Yes, absolutely. Man, I really want to know if they're holding puppets while they were Frank Oz. Do the podcast, please. Just come on. Come on, Frank. Hal wants you to be on the podcast. I do. I want this. So I'm looking at this and I'm trying to figure out what my favorite track is. Do you have yeah. an absolute favorite track? <sighs> I, you know, I'm. <laughs> it's so tough to pick one. I, I probably would go with. Um, you want a song track or a sketch? No, track? I want you to pick whatever you want. Veterinarian whatever. Hospital. That <laughs> is. Oh, we didn't talk about that yet. Really, that's, that's a, so great. That's the other like great. super vaudeville mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> piece. It's so many like. Uh, the, the what is it says the uh, patient is. Um, Something something is sinking. Like underbody is sinking oh, yes. about. Right, right, like, right, right. Just right. everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. And those sketches were hilarious on the show. I actually think this is the best version of Veterinarian's Hospital. Yeah, it's I, just so dumb. Do they do a lot of? There's not other than him eating the rubber tire. This is not like necessarily like a crazy like 
heavy sound effects record, really. It's more like voices. It's it's a lot of performance. Yeah, you got Veterinary Hospital, and then mm-hmm. the Muppaphone yep. has the hammering noises. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the trees, mm-hmm. the couple that Sam has brought in, who oh, are yeah, church yeah. folk, mm-hmm. and the tree falls on them. <laughs> that's sound effects heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think those are... Those are the biggest sound effects driven pieces. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Veterinarian Hospital is, is, is really, really solid. I'm realizing now that this says the great Gonzo eats a rubber tire with a Y. So I'm wondering then if this was either, either this was written by an English person or going off of the, the English track listing. Right. Cause it came out, it, it came out there first. Yeah. So that must be why I just, well, now I need to see your cassette because I need to see what it says on your cassette I think tape. that – I can't find it right now, that's but fine. I will find it. But I think that the reason why it looks that way, because that's the Wikipedia page, is it was originally released in the UK. Yeah. I think – I, I don't think my version had a Y in it. Okay. Okay. Because we're in America. Damn it. Jason, we spell things with <laughs> I's here, including the word my. <laughs> that's how we do it now. Y is outlawed. Uh, I had no idea. I, I really well, now you to, know. I need to catch up. I don't pay attention to the news. I'm just, yeah, podcasts <laughs> only, like I said. That's I'm glad how, I could catch you up. That's how I live my life. That's really that's sad. You should live your life. You <laughs> really should. That's it. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I, I know I didn't really keep us on track, and I actually derailed us several times. But yes. This album, let's say somebody wants to know, because everybody's heard of the Muppets, right? We can assume that. Yes. What's a good reason to listen to this if they... Yeah, what's a good reason to listen to this? Let's say. It's old. What's a good reason to listen to it? It's 40 years old right now. Because it's the Muppets at the height of their powers. Mm-hmm. And it's got enough of the hits that you know. Everybody knows uh, uh, being green. Sure. A lot of people know Mana Mana. Mm-hmm. And those are in there. But you also get uh, more pieces of each of the characters that you love. Mm-hmm. And it's such an interesting translation. I don't think... I really don't think you lose a lot. No. From the visual to the audio, which is saying something, and it's mm-hmm. a cra- I'm sure there are people listening that are like, "Who's this moron that Jason has <laughs> had on his show who says that moving the Muppets to an album somehow they don't lose anything?" But they they really like a lot of what makes them great remains. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not diminished at all, and it's a, it's a real achievement. Yeah. And the, the audio, the pseudo recordings of these songs are great. And there may be things in there that you have not heard before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a great intro. So much on here that I'm not familiar with because I think, you know, I love the Muppets and always have. But, like, I grew up seeing the show sparsely. So there's a lot here that seems fresh and still, I think. Yeah. If you if you are a fan of the Muppets and if you, you have not yet listened to this album, you owe it to yourself to, to either find a copy or you can find... Because uh, there may be re-release versions that have different tracks on them, sure. I'm, I'm not sure. But there, there are uh, YouTube videos of someone taking the original Arista record, the uh-huh. vinyl, yeah. and playing that. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing the vinyl, uh, you're hearing the entire album on vinyl. So you hear it presented the way it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is like, don't skip around. If you're going to listen to it, listen to it in order and let them take you on the journey that they want to take you on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This is a good one for that. And, you know, it's not a dumb argument to make either because Monty Python, I actually prefer almost all their audio sketches to anything on the show. Oh. They're better. They're better. I don't know if I, don't know if I agree with you. Ooh, and really? I do like their, I do love their audio stuff. Mm-hmm. They're all their albums. I yeah. had them all as a child. Uh, but that show, the sure. things that they did in the visual medium mm-hmm. were incredible. I think they trans, I don't think, you, again, I don't mm-hmm. think you lose anything. Mm-mm. 
I guess it's subjective. Yes. But maybe we'll have to put it on We Got This just to settle it. Oh, boy. And say that the TV version is better Mm -hmm. to make you Mm -hmm. wrong. Sure. Just to make you wrong. Sure. I mean, if you have me on, I mean, I'm just saying I would make a very strong argument. You would still lose. I'll Um, I'll bully Mark. That's what I do. Oh, see, that's that's the problem. I bully Mark. problem. Bully. Mm. Give me your lunch money. You're good at it, though. It's like a charming bully. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on. Give me your. I'm a silver tongued bully. Yeah. That's a skill. That's a particular skill. It's born with me. I didn't develop it. Okay. It's just who I am. Yeah. Family? Is it Philly? What is it? A little of everything. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's a melting pot mm-hmm. of kind meanness. <laughs> All right. So this is going to come out relatively soon because I don't have to edit this episode because I don't have to throw any clips in. We've listened to it before. So yeah. what's coming up? Where can people find you? What's important to you in life? Okay. When, <laughs> when is this, this coming out? I assume the week after we are recording it. Probably, yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, it'll we'll come be, out next week. This will come out next. This will come out after August fourth. Yes. Okay, great. So uh, Columbus Day weekend, mm-hmm. Mark and I will be in New York doing a live show as mm-hmm. part of New York Comic Con, New York awesome. Super Week. That will be Sunday night at six p.m. I believe. Tickets are on sale right now. Just go to howlublin.com for information. Okay. I will be at Dragon Con with Mark, uh, with Janet Varney. With Cecil Baldwin from Welcome to Night Vale, with Symphony Sanders from Welcome to Night Vale, Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of our other awesome friends. I'll be there signing, doing a live We Got This, doing panels, uh, shows. So go to dragoncon.org, I think is where you get tickets for that. It's in the Atlanta area, Labor Day weekend. Okay. Finally, uh, this is pertinent to this episode. We are doing two shows at the Museum of the Moving Image on Columbus Day in New York, in Queens, New York. Um. And we are partnering with the Henson Legacy to do them. So we'll wow. be doing two uh, Muppet-themed episodes. So the, there'll be a uh, an early show where we do a Muppet-themed episode followed by a screening. Mm-hmm. And then another Muppet-themed episode followed by a screening. I Holy believe they, they may both have Q&As. So oh my God. The, the, the place to watch for that is... I think it's movingimage.us. Okay. So they go to the Museum of the Moving Image website. That is where the information will be. Uh, when it when it is officially widely uh, out there and the tickets are on sale, I will, of course, put it at howloveland.com. That's sure. a good place to go for for everything, mm-hmm. uh, including finding me, all my podcasts, mm-hmm. whether you like me and Mark settling stuff on We Got This or me talking about wrestling on Tights and Fights or me talking to nice people with Travis McElroy and Surprisingly Nice. Mm-hmm. Or me talking with my wife and talking in conversations, the rare podcast that we put out when we feel uh-huh. like it. Uh, that's that's where you can keep up with everything. All right. And on Twitter, you're at Hal Lublin. I'm that's assuming. me. Yay. Yeah. All right. I good. make it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what I should promote. Oh, you know what I should promote? Do it. Uh, I've been trying to do a comedy album a day. I'm way behind, uh, but I've listened to a couple hundred so far this year. But I wow. need to ca- I need to catch up. What's your favorite you've listened to so far? Oh, uh, most of them are not um, fun, but uh, boy, I, that's why I asked you positive. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> What's so one hard? you liked? One, I want to ask you favorite. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One that I re- oh oh I can tell you my my favorite is actually fairly new and it stands out. Uh, and it's because I'm distributing it now. Uh, it's called A Gift You Didn't Ask For From Friends You Never Had. Like, it came out last year. <laughs> it's it's like Fireside Theater, but by two guys who are mid-30s now. And, like, it's brilliant. It's All right. fantastic. And that's the next thing I'm going to promote. Uh, my little mini sketch comedy record label called Celery Sound. So if you go to stolendress.com slash celery, uh, you can see the couple things we're distributing now. we got some things coming out later this year. Um, well, probably next year. I'm not going to overload people with crap. Um, find me on Twitter at jklam, J-K-L-A-M-M. That's really about it. Hal, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. (laughs) 
Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune into the new Stand Up channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. 